Working from home can be uh, and often is a rich source of stress for some people. Uh, during uh, COVID, a friend of mine, uh, Richard, uh, started to work from home. Uh, and one day, uh, he was so stressed out because he wanted to have his report ready for his, bo uh, for his boss by Wednesday morning. But the thing is that the youngest of his uh, three kids, uh, David, had been sick the whole week. So between navigating, uh, taking care of David, and also uh, his uh, job, uh, he was falling behind his, his goal. He was really behind um, getting his report ready. So he recalled that as he was trying to uh, put some work into his report, um, he recalled that sometimes going to the gym helped him, you know, to get some uh, stress uh, released. And he said he decided that he was going to go to the gym. So he changed his clothes, he changed his uh, shoes. Um, and as he was uh, coming downstairs, he said to his wife, who was sitting in the living room, also working, I am going to the gym because I am so stressed out because I don't have the report ready yet. Before he finished saying that, his wife interrupted him and said, I'm so sorry that you feel that way, honey. His immediate reaction was raised to raise his voice and said, can I finish saying all I want to say? She did not respond anything. So he continued. But now frustrated, he said, I already forgot what I was going to say anyways. I guess now it doesn't matter. As he left the house to get into his car, to go into the gym, he sat in his car. And he said to himself, what just happened? How is it possible that in my attempt to try to release some stress, I got angry with my wife? How is it possible that I am feeling so frustrated because at the end, after that, I forgot what I was going to say to her? And then there he is in his car, sitting in his car, sad, because he yelled at his wife. When, when he tried to understand what he was feeling, he was wondering, am I feeling anger, stress, frustration, sadness? What am I feeling? And very likely, he was feeling all the above. 
qualifiable, right? And that's uh, and, and the reason for that is because emotions don't come long. And especially anger always invites other friends to come along with it. And you know, that's the world of emotions. That's why it is sometimes it is so difficult to recognize how we are feeling. Because, some, because we go from um, one feeling to another feeling. And Richard, he was so amazed at himself, or, or, or surprised, excuse me, at himself, that this avalanche of emotions, one after another, was coming at him, or he was feeling this avalanche of emotions flowing like a river through his body. The experiences with our emotions have led some Christians to say that emotions, emotions are something that we need to fix. Emotions are something that we need to try to Shook them out, uh, uh, you know, silence them, that we need to ignore them. But is this what the Bible actually tells us that we are to do with our emotions? Is it possible to look to Christ and see how or if we can learn about how to handle our emotions? But more importantly, how we can have hope in him. So with that in mind, I'd like to invite um, Kim uh, Fry, am I saying correctly? <laughs> um, to read the Bible, uh, the text for us uh, today. Thank you. Our scripture passage today is John 2, verses 13 to 22. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kim. 
Good morning, everyone. My, uh, if this is your first time here at Ironworks, uh, my name is Roman Gonzalez, and I am serve. Uh, I serve here as the assistant, the assistant pastor. Uh, and to, uh, today, my my hope for all of us, um, and I really hope and pray that all of us, after uh, meditating on God's word today, I hope that we will embrace. The idea, or if not embraced, if, if not believed, if not embraced, at least to consider the idea that God gave you the ability to feel anger, to energize your passion to restore worship. Let me say it again. At least, uh, if not believing or embracing, so at least consider, this is my goal, that you will at least consider the idea that God gave you the ability to feel anger, to energize your passion to restore worship <clears throat> in your life, but also in the life of others. And I am borrowing this principle for, from Christian counselor, Alistair Groves, I hope that I pronounced his name correctly. He doesn't know me, so, I mean. Um, but I, I have modified it for, for my sermon. And I'm also going to be building up um, upon uh, Dan B. Allender uh, and his idea that anger rises when we see or perceive injustice. Anger arises when we see or perceive injustice. That's the feeling we feel when someone is being mean to one of our loved ones. It would be actually wrong for us not to feel anger when Someone we loved is being abused. It would, be, it would be wrong. So let us jump into our text and see how it speaks to us today. <clears throat> it, was, it was a great injustice that God-fearing men and women were not welcome to worship God. It was a terrible injustice, an act of cruelty against these long-distance traveling worshipers. They have a right in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, but they can't worship. Because the temple court designated for them, known as the court of the Gentiles, is full of oxen, sheep, those, merchants, dealers, lots of noise, and a very bad smell. So how are they going to worship? They can't worship. Because that area is being used for another purpose. This is not supposed to happen 
at the house of Jesus' father. This is not to be happening. This is not the place for that. So it is a terrible injustice that out of money, the religious leaders were blocking the access to worship God. That's what is going on here. The religious leaders are blocking the access for these God-fearing men and women that, are, that arrived in Jerusalem to worship God. They are saying, you can't worship with us. And that is <clears throat> a terrible act of injustice. Israel, in doing this, is disobeying God's command to be a light to the nations. Instead, worshipers are being exploited and treated, uh, treated unjustly. And they are uh, very likely to pay, to pay more than they should pay for a sheep for the sacrifice. So Jesus, looking at this injustice, burns in consuming zeal. His anger, because the religious leaders are not facilitating the way to worship God. It was a terrible failure that God-fearing people were deprived of worshiping God. And it was a terrible failure for the people of Israel. My friends, we can with certainty say that every time Jesus felt consuming zeal, it was because he was in a real case of injustice. But we are not like him. We don't know the hearts of men like he does. We struggle to determine whether or not something is unjust, uh, uh, unjust. You as a father or you as a mother, sometimes or many times maybe, you struggle determining if your kid is acting out of, a, out of injustice in that which she or he is demanding. We struggle with what Dan B. Allender calls perceived injustice. Perceived injustice. Perceived injustice is the reason why this, my friend, Richard, burned in anger against his wife when she tried to comfort him with sweet and caring words. Richard, he wanted something more than the quick response from his wife that made him feel she wasn't feeling compassion or that she wasn't compassionate enough about how much, uh, how much stress he was struggling with. He wanted an emotional connection with his wife, but his wife's 
readiness to respond to his needs. May him perceive she didn't may, may him perceived she didn't want to connect with him, that she wasn't really caring about him. And ultimately, <laughs> the connection he saw, uh, he, he, he was looking for, he was uh, looking for, got broken because he misinterpreted her gesture. You see, the problem was not the real, it, was, it wasn't real injustice, but it was perceived injustice. That never happened to Jesus. Jesus never misread or misread. Jesus never misinterpreted people's action. He knew when something was unjust. He knew the hearts of men. But there is a major act of injustice going on in this uh, section of, of John chapter 2. There is a major act of injustice that makes Jesus burn with consuming zeal. Are you ready? The house, uh, the, the first one is that the house of his father was being misused and people were not able to come to God to worship but this second one has to do with his father and God his father is not being worshipped this was the cruelest as act of injustice, the cruelest act of injustice that the God who created everything did not receive the glory and praise due to his name, and Jesus burns in anger because that's not okay. John Calvin says that this was such an act of mockery of God, an act of dishonoring God. No, it, it was, in fact, it was an evil act. <clears throat> so his, Jesus' zeal uh, for God's worship consumes him. Now, there are two observations that I'd like to make at this point about Jesus, uh, his reaction. The first one is that Jesus' uh, Jesus's anger tells us what Jesus values. His anger tells us what Jesus values. Uh, Love the most. He saw his father mocked and dishonored by the religious leaders, and his immediate reaction was to protect his father's 
honor. His anger then shows what he loves and values. In the same way, dear friends, our anger shows that which we love and value. When you are feeling anger, it would be good to ask, why am I feeling uh, this way? A key aspect in discerning whether the anger you feel is righteous anger or unrighteous anger lies in identifying what, what, act, uh, excuse me, what act of injustice or perceived injustice triggers it. Ask yourself, what do I value and love at this moment? Sensing a threat that provokes my anger in, defend, in defense of it. The response of whether or not this is righteous or unrighteous justice hinges on whether the focus of this anger is protecting God's interest or your own interest. As Counselor Alastair says, God made you with emotions, and that includes anger, so that they would serve to advance God's agenda, the kingdom's agenda, not ours. And um, uh, some other counselors would even say that God gave you anger to energize your um, work in destroying sin. Now, the second observation <clears throat> that I want to make is that Jesus' uh, Jesus's anger was constructive anger, or uh, what some counselors would, um, or biblical counselors would say, Jesus' anger was redemptive anger. In other words, Jesus' Jesus's anger is the fuel that energizes him to restore the temple's original purpose. The purpose of serving as the place where God and man uh, meet in worship. The place where God forgives sins. So as you can see, Jesus' uh, anger seeks to bring back to the temple the order so that worship of God may be enhanced. My dear friend, is your anger redemptive anger? How can we use it in a proper way so that it will be constructive and redemptive? Uh, to help us understand this concept, maybe 
uh, it would be good <clears throat> to go back to my illustration from the beginning. Two hours after being at the gym, my friend Richard came back home. <clears throat> and understandably, uh, his wife was hurt by how poorly he treated her. But with a calm voice, she decided to confront her husband. Richard, I am very hurt by you. You acted unreasonably angry towards me when I was trying to cheer you up and give you words of comfort. I was feeling, honestly, so bad for you. Richard replied, honey, I'm, I'm sorry, please forgive me. But he was not realizing how much, how deeply he had hurt her. As she brought the incident to her mind, she grew angry against Richard. <clears throat> Nevertheless, she continued with the same calm, calm in her voice, but now very firmly, and said, Today, in exchange of my caring words, you insulted me. You despised my word and did not treat me as someone who also bears the image of God in himself, herself. You make me feel so inadequate and lacking of wisdom. Then she asked, do you see this as a problem between you and God? Do you see this as a problem between you and God, said his wife. And then she said, I wonder if the person you are really mad, uh, mad at is him, is God himself. Richard couldn't believe his ears that he was listening to his wife saying that and felt like a knife piercing his chest. He was very ashamed for his behavior. And he said, I'm sorry for causing you so much pain. I guess I'm just realizing that I struggle with anger. Would you please help me? Now, <clears throat> observe what Richard's wife is doing. She is using the energy of her anger in a redemptive way. By confronting her husband, she seeks to establish the kingdom of God in her husband's life. She is not merely trying to make him feel guilty or ashamed 
but she's actually trying to restore the relationship that was broken between Richard and God. And Richard didn't even notice when that happened. When, she, when he mistreated her. So as you can see, redemptive anger seeks to restore sinners to a forgiving God. And that's what Jesus is doing. <clears throat> and that's what he teaches us to do. But dear friends, who among us has always, always dealt with anger in a redemptive way? None of us. Sometimes, maybe. <laughs> but not always. Is there, is there a way out of, a, of destructive anger? Well, the answer is yes. And that way out is the same anger that consumed Jesus when he saw these godly women and men hindered from coming to God. And God being deprived of the worship due to his name. Now, what do I mean by saying that consuming anger is the, the way out? Well, if we continue reading John, <clears throat> we realize, we will realize that this act of cleansing the temple driven by Jesus' consuming zeal, cost Jesus his life. This is the act. <clears throat> John is carefully to mention that this is the event that religious leaders, um, that after this event, excuse me, the religious leaders were trying to kill uh, were seeking to kill Jesus after this um, event. So this is, um, John, uh, as I said, John mentioned uh, after this event that the religious leaders <clears throat> sought to kill Jesus because he called God his father. So this was the event that set Jesus on his path his path to Golgotha, where he would die on the cross for our unrighteous anger. He went to the cross for the many occasions we did not stop considering whether or not our anger was constructive or destructive, and we ended up sinning against God. Friends, Jesus came and died because of those many times when in our anger, you and I have not been only concerned about <clears throat> advancing <clears throat> our selfish agenda. Um, excuse me. Uh, he came to die because of those many times 
when in our anger <clears throat> we were not concerned about his agenda or God's agenda but we were more concerned about advancing our own selfish agenda he came to die for those sins but not only that my dear friends but in order to save us from the consequences of our misused anger God's anger was poured out on Jesus and not on you when he died when Jesus went to the cross the true temple of God was destroyed his body his body could not stand the pouring of God's anger and he was broken the true temple of God was destroyed so that evil would be destroyed through the destruction of Christ's body as as John Owen says so that we will be able to see the death of the death in the death of Christ would you come to Christ would you come again and again and again to Christ he wants not only to save you from final judgment and the final pouring out of his anger you know there are good news that he will not only save you at the end but that he actually through his holy spirit he empowers you to use your anger in a redemptive way will you come to him will you come to him again please stand up <clears throat>